Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Marginally Offside podcast. I'm Luke, and as always, I'm joined by Alex and Dan. Hello Hi. there. Now, uh, we're currently recording this on Thursday, and as we speak, in a couple of hours, there's about to be another game in the title race, Liverpool versus Burnley. But heading back to the start of the week, um, Leicester beat Chelsea 2-0. And I want to talk a little bit about Leicester, because I don't think we've uh, given them enough credit so far in this podcast. They're having a, a pretty amazing season, and do you guys think they're serious title contenders, or do you see them more as outsiders? I'd say they're definitely realistic title contenders. Um, I think somebody said on the radio today, um, I think it was Simon Jordan, actually, who's known for his controversial opinions, whoever finishes above Leicester will win the league. And to be honest, on their current form and how inconsistent the big teams are, or traditionally the big teams are, I'd say they're definite title contenders. They won the league, what, five years ago, four years ago, with a far worse squad than the one they've got now. Do you, I'd say. Do you think so, they should be winning the title? Do you think their squad's as good on paper as, you know, your oh, no Cities way. and United? Or? No, no way. Their, their investment is pennies in comparison to everyone else. Yeah, but I think you have to take... Well, they spent about £30 million in there on that for Fana. And, and I think, yeah, just because they haven't gone and spent, you know, £80 million on centre-back and uh, things like that... Um, I don't think you should rule them out necessarily. Yes, they have a much better team. And I think Simon Jordan's probably correct, isn't it? But uh, it just seems to be all coming together for them. Um, Everyone's been talking about how well Man United have been doing. And on the same games played, Leicester are only two points behind. So, yeah, I think we probably have uh, overlooked them quite a lot. And it was a fantastic. I also wouldn't even say player for player that that much worse than United. I think obviously not up to. City and maybe Liverpool's standards, but you know they've they've got an incredible midfield: um, Tielemans, Barnes, Madison. That they're, they're all on fire right now, and I'd argue um, most of them would get into the, the United team. But yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd say defensively, I really rate um, Pereira on, on the right hand side. I think he's a handful going forward, but also defensively, he's very solid. Um, they've got. Harvey Barnes, who I think is a very underrated player. James Madison, who's just had a massive development since his days at Coventry and then over to Norwich and now at Leicester. He just continues to to get better and better. Um, Jamie Vardy, the constant, seems to be banging in goals every season. He's only got one in his last six, funny enough, but um, they've been finding scorers all over the pitch. You know, Madison stepping up, even indeed he stepped up uh, against Chelsea, but yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird one. Vardy's only goal in the sixth game and beaten run was a penalty against Tottenham and he's missed a few sitters in those six games. So, you know, if, if he finds his shooting boots, they could become even more deadly in the coming weeks. Absolutely. I mean, he missed a sitter against Chelsea, but he just seems to be, he seems to be like constant up front and he offers a lot more than just goals for Leicester. That out ball and the fact he can get in behind defences causes any team's problems, especially one with slow centre-halves. And to be honest, Chelsea centre-halves weren't the quickest, were they? Thiago Silva isn't exactly rapid. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say Leicester have, have got a very, very good team. Indeed, like you just mentioned, he's been quality since he signed. Um, I really rate uh, Sionsu. I know he's, a, he's injured at the minute, but he's a, he seems to have stepped into the void that Maguire left easily. Johnny Evans, a player that we let go to West Brom, I think it was at the time, for virtually nothing has completely reignited his career at Leicester. He was okay at West Brom, but since he signed for Leicester, he's been he's been back to the sort of levels he was showing at United. So, I, yeah, they've definitely got a very good squad and team. And Brendan Rodgers is a manager who seems to get the best out of out of players. As uh, He showed it at Liverpool. Admittedly, he had Suarez, who obviously carried that Liverpool team during the title-chasing season where they missed out on... Uh, was it goal difference or by a point? I think it was by a point. Um, but yeah, Brendan Rodgers is. You can see why he's being touted to other jobs. I don't know why he'd want to take them, though. To be perfectly honest, I think he's he's got the perfect setup at Leicester. So yeah, hopefully they can they can keep it up and and really mount a serious challenge again this year. It'd be very interesting. Yeah, just talking about you know some of their young talent and uh, 
maybe old talent as well. Um, would would you want to see Harvey Barnes, you know, uh, James Justin, maybe even uh, Jamie Vardy back out of retirement? But would you like to see those players in the England squad for the Euros? Do you think they make it? I think they've got. He's got to pick it on form, and if they're if they go and win the league, and they, you know, keep up the level of performance that they they are doing at the minute, then I see no reason why they shouldn't be in the squad. You say that, but when they did win the league, you know, the Danny Simpsons and the um, Danny Drinkwaters Drink weren't really making uh, he, England. Squad. He got caps though. I mean, admittedly, he wasn't taken to the major tournament, which at the time I found very very yeah. odd because an England team should always be picked on for none of this crap about ratings and stuff like we had in Capello where we ended up taking Heskey uh, in a year where Darren Bent had banged them in so I don't really understand that decision I, f- um, I think I you think know. Gareth Southgate has his favourites I think it would be an absolute monstrosity if uh, James Madison isn't going to the Euros because you... we do have a slight problem don't we in that you mentioned Justin yeah he is yeah. You, he's, a right he's playing on the left for them so automatically, I everyone assumes there's already about five right backs. So it's just in getting in front of Wambasaki can't get near it. Is he better than those um, Trippier, Alexander Arnold, Reese James has been getting games? Yeah, Walker. I'd say, I think but, I, I think, think the Justin... only two that I'd say are potentially ahead of him are Alexander Arnold and Walker when he eventually you know turns it on. But he's what thirty now. I think and James Justin's been better than the rest of them. Sorry, Luke. Carol. I was just going to say it's it's one of those old eight, uh, old debates where you know if if James Justin's playing for an Arsenal or a Chelsea, you'd argue like Bukayo Saka. He's definitely getting in in the England squad, getting his call ups. Whereas if, if maybe Saka was at a Leicester, then maybe Saka wouldn't be getting called up. I mean, I'd expect to see um, Justin in the next England squad, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's not. And then you see the likes of. Smith Rowe getting an England call up just because you know they play for Arsenal, but yeah, I, I think I think James is it's a tough one because you have got Reese James, you've got Trent Alexander Arnold, you've got Kieran Trippier, you've got Carl Walker, so it's it's a bit stacked there. James Madison, I think he definitely has to get in. I think it goes without saying he's he's a better player this season than Mason Mount, and it's almost set in stone that Mount will be going to the Euros. He's not taking absolutely not, spot, is he? He's, he's, he's taking the spot that everyone following the October-November internationals had decided Jack Grealish would have. Um, I don't think Jack Grealish has particularly dropped off, but it'd be a very interesting yeah. last few matches in the next matches March. So they've got a couple of months now. Is it a straight shoot out between Madison as well, and Grealish? You've got loads of players in the same sort of positions. I mean, if anything, it's actually a very good sign for the national team that we've got players in every position and there's a lot of competition. Um, Madison, like you said, has to go, Luke. He he has to go. Grealish has to go. I'd argue Foden has to go. The one out of the four of them who play in a similar position who I'd have question marks over is Mason Mount. And I mean, he's growing on me. He's the first name on the team sheet. Yeah, and that's the problem, is that every manager that's managed the international team since we've been alive has had their favourites and they've played them and that's that's got to change unfortunately but then again do you take all those players and, and become overstacked in one position when you've only got a certain number of places it's a difficult one um, and it's one that could ultimately cost Gareth Southgate his job if they don't perform so let, let's see what happens I guess Talking about the England squad one man who's, who's in a bit of form and um, people are even suggesting he's England's best centre-back after a few shaky seasons is John Stones. He's, he's really come into his own these, these last couple of weeks and, you know, he, he looks very strong. It looks like he's finally finally playing with confidence. He's finally playing well under Guardiola. I mean, if, if he carries on his form, you know, England are finally sorting out that centre-back issue that we've had for a couple of years now. Um, do you guys think he's England's best centre-back or does that go to Esri Concer? <laughs> oh, is, is he their best? Is he their best one? I think, like we've just said, it it comes down to to the form. He, he's at a very tough, and it might sound a bit strange saying it. He's at a very tough couple of years. Um, you think back to that Netherlands game, which I think I think Man, I think his former dip for Man City, hadn't it? When when they just picked Liverpool to the league, and he, and the fact they won the league and, and the well, they won the treble, didn't they? Um, 
the fact that they were winning games sort of covered it up a little bit. And then he went to that Netherlands game and his head got lost. And yeah, it's it's take it's taken him two years to get back. I guess in it. his in his uh, race yeah. for the Euros, he's oh, he's quite lucky that um, Joe Gomez is out. I mean. Garisake likes Maguire and he likes Walker at centre back, so it's whoever. It's... Well, have we worked out? Have we worked out who his centre backs? Who his centre backs are? Maguire. Who's he playing next to Maguire? Because I, I mean, it was the last few squads what? he's been playing yeah. with everyone, hasn't he? I think. I mean, in the last playing. tournament, it was Stones, and obviously Stones has since since the last World Cup, like you say, has had pretty poor form. But now, will it just be Maguire and Stones again? I feel if everyone was fit, you know, you're looking at. A... Southgate back three of Walker, Gomez and Maguire. So it depends if Stones can displace one of them. I mean, if he switches to four at the back, then you'd probably argue it would be Maguire and Gomez. But, you know, Stones could easily push Gomez out of the team. Although I'd probably argue that Stones and Gomez would be a much better back two. And then um, if you go into the second best defensive side in the league, which is Aston Villa, you've also got Tyrone Mings and Esri Concer, who's... Um, the least dribble pass player in Europe's top five leagues this season. So you'd argue those two argue have a, a place to Mings. claim as well. Ming's card yesterday's performance, where obviously the ridiculous offside call, which was a joke, but at the end of the day, if he hadn't have had a poor touch trying to bring the ball down, he could have just put it into Rose head and there would have been no goal. So I think that's easy I've, to I've say. I've watched a lot of him though. It's easy I've to say a lot of Tyrone that you should have put it out. But you know, he's assuming that the player who is offside is offside, which in my opinion is arguably the right thing to do. I think most players in that position would have expected an offside call I've... there. I think I think Mings is underrated to be honest. I know some people don't like him, but you know, Aston Villa Aston Villa have the second defensive second best defensive record in the Premier League and Tyrone Mings has played a massive part in that alongside Cash I've... and Concert. I don't think he's good enough to play for England, although I'd argue that centre back is the position in the England squad at the minute where there's probably most of a debate. Um, Maguire seems to be again one of one of the favourites. I'd like you. I'd probably play. I, I'm a big fan of Joe Gomez uh, since we watched him play against Leeds for Charlton. Um, a big fan of Joe Gomez, and I think he should be starting. But then he's obviously out for the season, or looks to be out for the season. So that's that's a, a no. John Stones. Big fan of Stones. Recent form has been brilliant, but can he keep it up is a big question. But he he'd be my other starter. But then he's experiment, isn't he? He's tried Cody there. I mean, Cody I think is a very underrated footballer um, and would be a great option just to take along. I mean, he took Phil Jones to the last World Cup. I mean, there's no reason why mm-hmm. Connor Cody can't get into to the Euro squad. But there is one there is one interesting call that that I think I wouldn't be surprised to see on the grounds that when we play a back five, Luke Shaw plays on the left side of, of a defensive three as the left centre-back. And he's played very well there, actually. I wouldn't be so surprised to see if injuries are still pretty bad or they get worse towards the major tournament. I wouldn't be as surprised to see Luke Shaw picked as a left centre-back yeah, I, if he's going to play a back five. I, I would be very surprised to see that. But, you know, I, I think it's... Um... It's all a bit up for up in the air, you know. I don't think Gareth Southgate knows his best team. He's very much like uh, Frank Lampard and and Lee Bowyer in that case. He just doesn't know his best team, and um, it's just messing around the players a bit. So hopefully, you know, with the preparation games he can sort it out and work out his best eleven. And um, I believe that does not have Luke Shaw at left centre back in there. But it's po- it's possible, but it's nice to be going into a major tournament with with some. Some optimism, and with with a team that's actually well, six know, months. It, yeah, I've got to <laughs> say, when we went into the last World Cup, I looked at the squad and thought, well, this team, yeah, we had an easy group, and yeah, we lost the only tough games we played in that World Cup. But there was there was a sense that they kind of overachieved with the squad that they had, actually, because I didn't think it was probably the worst England squad at a World Cup I've ever seen. Um, and I've not had real optimism with an England squad since two thousand six. So. You know, and it, we weren't exactly old enough to appreciate that fully. Yeah, I mean that um, optimism will all go, go. That optimism will all go out the windows when you've got this uh, hive of attacking talent, but you start eight defensive players with a uh, Declan Rice, Calvin Phillips, and Jordan Henderson in there. So you know, I th- 
Well, I think this this major tournament is the make or break to Southgate because last time he got away with it on the fact that we had a weak squad. We haven't got a weak squad this time. He's got plenty of options, plenty of players demanding to be in that in that squad and demanding to be on the plane. And if he gets this wrong and he plays a defensive formation in every single game or he picks a ridiculous team, then he will be gone by the end of the tournament. He will. They won't give him another contract. They'll sack him. So who, I think that's a uh, that that is a big question Eddie, Eddie and one that I couldn't answer six months away from a major tournament with people still in jobs. I feel like, but given the fact there are, there are options, there are options. Given the fact that you know England, that I mean, they chose Gareth Southgate. You know, who's the under twenty one manager at the time? And that's part of the reason they chose him. But I don't think they'd have chosen him if they had better options. I just don't think international manager jobs, the England job, is, is that desirable for anyone now. I, it's just not not the same amount of money as in it as there is club. But, There's not the same he... amount of passion for it. So you, I don't think you can really pick a good option. I think, you know, Sam Allardyce, that's who we were getting a few years back. It's going to be someone like that. I wouldn't be surprised if we plump for uh, Steve Bruce or I Mark wouldn't be Hughes. surprised if it's Eddie Howe, actually. Um, I know everyone's going to laugh at that and on the fact that obviously Bournemouth went down last year but he plays a good style of football with the players he had at his disposal no one was really expecting Gareth Southgate to be a long-term solution so it'd be a similar sort of appointment really a bit underwhelming it's only FA that he's got a contract until 2022 that, that was a Mourinho like decision by the FA they've gone oh let's just give him a new deal because he's overachieved with a squad of quite average players um, at the last World Cup, I think that was, that was very short-sighted. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Eddie Howe in there. It's a very, it's a similar sort of appointment. He's without a club, and I'm, to be honest, if I was Eddie Howe, I'd, I would be expecting to be on the shortlist given the lack of good available English managers on the market right now. So, you know, we'll, I guess we'll see. Just monitor it. I think you're forgetting one big English manager there, Dan. Go Neil on. Harris. Oh, that's a poor segue. <laughs> he was, uh, of course, of course, being sacked today by uh, Cardiff City. Uh, not a fan of him because obviously he's a Millwall legend as player and manager. But you know, you say you say legend, I say bang average footballer and manager. You know, Cardiff just and 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 he said <laughs> Millwall's goal scorer. <laughs> Cardiff were on a pretty awful run of form, and you know, I think. Cardiff would be aiming to get back up to the Premier. Vincent Tan wants nothing less than red Cardiff City in the Premier League again. But <laughs> <laughs> you know the race, the race of the Premier League uh, in the Championship is really hotting up. You know, I think a lot of people, us included, have mentioned that we thought it was going to be the three that have gone down: uh, Norwich, Watford, and Bournemouth. But you know, Bournemouth had a poor result this week and uh, slipped down to sixth and uh, Brentford are going really strong so yeah um, how are you guys finding the race? Alex do you want to go here? Yeah. I think Bournemouth down in, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think Bournemouth down in uh, oh dear I, I think uh, it's a bit of a funny one really because people thought Reading would have dropped off by now and just as they went off a cliff they, they keep picking up a little bit of form and, and then they go on a one or two defeats and, you know, now they've got um, 10 points from the last four games again and they're sitting three points off second. Brentford have stopped being the, the hipster's choice, if you like, and everyone's just saying, right, they've got to go up now and uh, it, they have to do it. I think Brentford, they really have to do it soon. There's only, as you can see from the teams at the bottom of the championship, there's only so long you get two or, two or three cracks at the the playoffs are a good chance at promotion. So, obviously, you don't want to put all that pressure on Brentford, who are doing very well at the minute. But I think they need to keep it interesting and not of the same three that uh, came It's, down it's certainly anyway. an interesting race, to be honest. I mean, Swansea, if they win their game in hand, they're, what, four points off Norwich. Norwich, I thought, were just going to run away with it, and they still might. Um, but then below that, like you say, Brentford, Watford, Reading, Bournemouth... Borough, if they win their game in hand, they go join on points with uh with Bournemouth. Stoke are not out of it. Um, Stoke have just Black... signed Alfie Doherty. Well, uh, about to sign Alfie Doherty from Charlton, which should bolster their promotion hopes. Well, to be honest, Luke, with the, with the signings that I've seen go out of Charlton and 
magically perform at higher levels. I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if he goes into Borough and Stoke, not Borough yeah. into Stoke even and um, and fires him up a few more places. Blackburn is one that I think could push their way in. Um, I mean, if they win their game in hand, they're up to joint ninth, I think, with Bristol City. But I think they've also got a game in hand as well. Um, so I wouldn't rule them out. Probably, probably well, I, yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rule them out as, at all. Blackburn are definitely would be my outside shot at the minute. And you never know, Cardiff. So what, so what Dan's saying is anyone, <laughs> yeah. anyone down the 50 but, but that's, shot? That's, uh, as long as Mill this is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. Cardiff, Cardiff, if they get a new manager bounce and win, go on a bit of a winning streak, there's no reason why they couldn't sneak into the playoffs. And if it gets called off on points per game and they're on a good run of form, you, you never know. So it's it's one of those. Well, I see no reason why Wickham can't do it. You know, they've got two games in hand on Bournemouth. That would only put them 21 points behind the Cherries. But with half the campaign to go, you know, they know exactly where to be if the season gets called off. Exactly. It's, games, so. it's not over till the fat lady sings or till the corona cancels all the football. There you go. Yeah, there's a few interesting teams knocking on the door, isn't there? You know, you think Middlesbrough are, you know, they would have gone down last year if Warnock hadn't intervened. Stoke, likewise, with... Um... Nathan Jones. Oh, God. No, he's no, gone. Michael no. oh, I was to say, we, we had this Mr. conversation O'Neill. in the first episode, didn't we? We went through the last four managers. Well, Nathan Jones is... You know, Nathan Jones is doing very well at Luton, but uh, I think that might be the biggest shock if they made it. But no, yeah, then you've got people like Bristol City and Preston that have been knocking on the playoffs for a couple of years and not quite made it. So it's exactly what you expect from the Championship. It's what you want from it. Maybe for uh, Norwich to start dropping a few points because if they're just going to win the league every year, they'll finish bottom. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, it's... it's... You know, have anything against it's definitely going to be an interesting yeah. race and you know these clubs have all got now 10 days to uh, shape their promotion relegation battles by bringing in a few extra players obviously the same in the Premier League it's, it's been a relatively quiet January I think Januaries aren't as busy as they used to be if maybe if five, five, ten years ago um, people seem to do a bit less business in January now but especially this year where you know we we are in a bit of an uncertain climate and finance is a bit tough. But yeah, um, you guys expecting to see anything in the Premier League in the next 10 days? Any big moves? It, it doesn't seem like there's there's going to be too many. Well, I'm not sure how much uh, how much truth there is in it, but uh, I saw Wolves were linked with that uh, William Hose. Yeah, William Jose. He's a saucier dad, isn't um, he? Well, yeah, and he, he's got double figures in the um, La Liga the last four seasons. And I, I think he was... Spurs well. in the summer. Yeah, yeah. And, um, well, apparently... Um, what's he called? Santo. <laughs> I'm just forgetting every manager huh. in the um, he, uh, <laughs> he... Apparently, he uh, didn't dismiss it at all in his press conference today. So... Uh, I think that'd be quite an interesting move for Bulls, actually, because it seems quite a, a big thing. Well, yeah, I, I thought they were going to go in for Diego Costa. That seemed like a match made in heaven, but um, clearly not, um, which is a shame. I mean, they've Arsenal are supposedly in for Martin Odegaard, who anyone who used to watch FIFA compilations four or five years ago will remember his unbelievable talent and then his failure to really establish himself at Real Madrid despite loans at some other clubs. Um, so that's an interesting one. Palace have just signed someone from Germany, haven't they? I'm not, can't, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. Is it Mateta or yeah, on loan Mateta? from Mainz, right? Yes, for yeah, from Mainz. Um, well, I suppose that's a bit of a discussion, isn't it? So he's on an 18 month loan deal, 2.7 million loan fee. Of course, you know, I remember when you didn't have to pay a player when you got on the loan. <laughs> um, and then he only has to make 15 starts in 18 months and they have to pay 13 million yeah. for him. So it's, it's not a loan at all, well, is it? It's funny you should say that because there was one, there was one at a Jose Mourinho team, I can't remember who it was, where they've played, they've played up to the, within a game of that obligation being triggered and then they didn't play again for six months. So 
it really does depend on whether they fancy him or not. There are ways to wiggle out of those sort of agreements and, and clubs have done it previously and I'm sure they will continue to do in the future considering this seems to be the now new way of bringing people in, especially at the minute. Um, I know Tamori actually is on, it looks like he's going to go to Milan on a similar sort of deal, isn't he? It seems to, it seems to be a loan with, a, with an obligation to buy for 30 mil. Um, I mean, in the summer or next summer or something. So that that's an interesting one because I thought Tamori looked really, really promising. Um, and, and the fact that well, something's happened with Lampard. Well, it must have done because the, they're struggling defensively, and they're relying on a what a thirty-six-year-old Thiago Silva to basically monitor the back line or you know keep them keep them steady at the back. In, in the big games and he, he's just not doing it and I'm not surprised I, I predicted that signing to be a flop I don't think he's done anything exceptional since he came in and, and it is a very very odd thing to do to let one of your best young centre-back talents just go on loan when you've got players there who really shouldn't be at the club Christensen or whatever his name uh, yeah. is, is one that comes to mind immediately yeah, he's, still think, he's played at the start of the season. I think Lampard just he, he doesn't know his his best team. He's he's trialing and erroring, and you know when when you don't know your best team, you're always going to struggle. I don't think the players know where they should be playing. You know, one week uh, one is on the left, one week he's in the centre. But you know that they're, they're they're really struggling. You know, they've tried Euro up front, they've tried Abraham up front, they've tried Werner up front. But the problem with those three is each time you switch it around. It's a completely different style of play. Playing Giroud centre-forward, you have to line up so differently to you play Werner centre-forward because they're two completely different players and the whole style of play has to be completely different. So not only... Who would you play up top, though? Of those three, who would you play up top regularly? I think I think it would have to be Timo Werner. I think, you know, he's, he's on a goal drought. It's a bit of a confidence boost. But, you know, I, I don't know if sticking him on the wing and is, is the best bet. It's, it's just... He doesn't know what he's doing on the wing, clearly. I think Lampard needs to... Lampard, all the rumours about him recently. Um, you know, Sky did a did an article today saying he's going to be... He'll be sacked if results don't improve. I mean, yes, that's probably true of every manager. Even more so, true at Chelsea. But, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think with him... And they really don't want to do it, and I don't know why this this man is unsackable. So, uh... it, it, it honestly is baffling. No, I wasn't. I wasn't actually going to talk about Lampard. Actually, I, I don't know why um, the man I was going to say should be played up front. Um, there's such an issue with him playing, and that's of course yeah, I, Olivier. I, that's what I'd be saying. Um, I'd be saying play Olivier Giroud. He's he's got the goals because I think Lampard probably thinks I'm. Nah, we'll get top four, and and we'll be all right. Look who I've got. And it's like, no, I think you need to start playing Giroud. Get it, you know, well, I say get him firing when he plays. I think the thing is he wants to prove that the signings he's made are, are worthy because, you know, he's, he's spent so much money. He kind of needs to justify it by actually, you know, sticking sticking out with them. But then yeah. he's been on the other side of that, hasn't he? He's, he's seen Shevchenko and Torres come in, uh, you know, and I don't know, maybe he's seen persevering with them wasn't worth it. Or maybe the fact that the manager persevered across the manager. Yeah, but this, but this is a weird so, thing with Chelsea. You know, I mean, Di Matteo, when he got sacked by Chelsea, the year after winning them the Champions League, which was Roman Abramovich's like main goal. Yeah, it was literally grail. his holy grail. Um, they sacked Di Matteo when Chelsea were third in the league. I mean, I think they'd just been knocked out of the Champions League, but still. Now Lampard has been given a lot of leeway, and I don't get it because, like you say, Alex, Olivier Giroud is the one who's performed up front. Take Werner out the out of the firing line because he's not just been out of form in terms of hitting the back of the net. He has been woeful. I think the thing with Lamp, I think the thing with Lampard is um, Abramovich wants Nagelsmann, and um, they're gonna apparently they're gonna have to wait on him. So I think he's just you know allowing Lampard to keep going until uh, Nagelsmann becomes a bit more available. And if Lampard doesn't improve, then obviously he goes. But if he does improve, he, he might still be going when Nagelsmann becomes more available. So. It might just be a case of that, to be honest. I think the season's still not a write-off. They they can turn it around, but well, there's no reason why you know, they can't. I mean, Solskjaer was apparently going. Well, this four weeks this ago, is the thing. This is ago. the thing, Dan. Uh, you're all about. You don't understand why Lampard's being awarded this leeway, but you're a huge advocate for giving Solskjaer more time when Manchester United weren't firing on all cylinders. You know, 
Chelsea yeah, started the, the, the season Lampard. relatively all right. You know, Werner was in a bit of good form and he's he's obviously dropped off massively now. Havertz never really got going. But, you know, I think you could argue Lampard needs a bit a bit more time to get these players gelling. He has almost changed the entire starting eleven uh, this summer and it's just not clicked yet. So, you know, maybe in the second half of the season it will start to click and they'll start to find those passes and Werner will start to find those finishes that we know he's, he's famous for in Germany. But, you know, the different from, difference from him at Leipzig is he had your Adam Oda Luckman's creating chances for him, whereas now he's sadly only got, you know, your mounts and your ZX. So he's obviously going to be struggling for chances there. It's a bit different though, isn't it? I find with with the comparing comparing the two. I know they get compared a lot, um, but in terms of Chelsea, I don't I don't see real signs of progress under Lampard, like at all. Whereas under Solskjaer, even when we were playing badly, yeah, we we I could see real signs. I could see a genuine direction where we were going to go and what we were trying to do. Whereas with Lampard, they've gone all right. We've had a transfer ban for a season. That's fine. We'll give him some leeway. And to be fair, he did very well last season. Um, he did what that was asked of him and got him into the top I guess, four. I guess, but now he's spent that money and the pressure's on him, especially at a club where they've had what ten managers in twelve years since Abraham. No, that's wrong. Is it twelve managers in sixteen years or something since Abramovich? Abramovich has been a part of Chelsea. Probably more than that. So it's like <laughs> it's I, they've sacked managers for a lot less. So I, I don't guess, see how they give him another season. I think he's definitely gone this year. It depends when. I guess on the point of um, Chelsea not really looking like they're making progress, I, I think I, I do agree with that. And, you know, you look at Arsenal, who are below Chelsea in the table, but I think Arsenal fans are a lot happier with uh, the way things are going. And uh, their manager, I think, under Arteta, you know, it, it was absolutely abysmal start. And I think they were calling for his name, but you can see he's got a vision. He's got the players playing for him um, in a way that Frank Lampard just currently doesn't have. And, you know, I think despite Arsenal being on par and below Chelsea this season, you know, I think there is that progress coming with Arsenal, whereas that just doesn't seem to be coming for Chelsea at all. And, you know, maybe maybe I could be totally wrong and Arsenal would drop off again, but Arteta's finally got it clicking. You know, he's brought in these players, um, Smith Rowe and obviously Saka, who, Gelled at youth level and are gelling again at senior level, and now Aubameyang's just scored two. His, his confidence come right back, and I mean, I guess that's probably it's, what Werner needs. But it's almost like Lampard's got too many options, and I feel like Arteta's kind of had the opposite problem. He's got very, very limited options. He's taken a gamble on Emil Smith Rowe um, when there were Arsenal. Some Arsenal fans were like, "Well, we've got Mesut Özil sitting at home, not even registered in the squad, who's a creative player." Um, and he's, he's taken a risk on Emil Smith Rowe, and it's worked. And you look at Saka and and Tierney, and the young players in that squad are really, really promising. But it's funny that what four weeks ago, Solskjaer and Arteta were were being touted as out. Arsenal were supposedly going down. Chelsea were going to win the league, and everything is just completely switched yeah, and I mean... in in a month period. And it, it's going to continue to keep doing that. So it'll be very interesting to see in a month or two months' time you were say, where we're you at. You were slating Guardiola and the media for not giving Guardiola enough stick. And now, you know, they're dead favourites for the uh, Premier yeah, League but title. They, but, this, but this is the point. There was only a limited time you could give Guardiola stick because, of course, they were going to come back with the squad depth they've got. And they didn't give him enough stick. If that was any other manager, like we're talking about it now with, with Lampard, we've talked about it with Arteta, we've talked about it with Solskjaer. Guardiola seems to be the only one who's not had any real criticism, even when they were playing very, very he's poorly. The proven man- he's the proven manager. Well, that makes like it even worse. Everyone knew they... Well, it doesn't, does it? Because you've just said he didn't get the stick because everyone knew he'd turn it around and he has. Well, and if they win their game in and they get top of the league, they sh- he should have been given... Everyone forgets about it. He should have been given stick because that team... That team that they've got and the and the money that they've spent and the fact that they've got him as a manager and the setup is just exceptional. They should not be a point. Well, they're they're they two points off us. They should, <laughs> they should be no, but they should be clear in a season where Liverpool have been. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't matter though. They should be. They should be. They should be at least ten points. It's Manchester United. They should be at least. Bar. I think the. F- well, there were two games in hand for most of it, so there should be four points. Clear. No, there should be at least ten. With the, with the how Liverpool have dropped off with all the injuries this season, City should be miles ahead. I think that's a, a pretty high target. So but why you, aren't, why you know, aren't, man, why aren't City United? Manchester United, they are halfway through the season. If you double their 
points tally, it would it would be eighty. They're on for an eighty point season, which is probably one of the lowest um, points for winning a title in recent memory. So I, I it's lowest since Leicester. I, I guess well, Leicester like yeah, seven. I guess Dan has some point. You know, on a another season, if they were on for another hundred point season, there'd be ten points clear of United right now. But you know, I, I think that's very optimistic you know they've also had players out for coronavirus stuff like that so um they've they've also yeah, needed time to gel it was their own fault they all went out and partied and got yeah. corona got no fucking sympathy for any of them but talk talking a bit um about the title race you know we we spoke about leicester already and one player that has been linked to leicester which you know could help them in in their title push is christian erickson on loan um i i think for lesser that would be a very good deal. I, I don't know how he really slots into their midfield. And I mean, they're playing all Brighton, but it's whether you can't really stick Christian Eriksen out on out on the width. And they've already got Tielemans, um firing in the middle. He's, he's looking very like a very good player, maybe even a dark horse player of the season, Yuri Tillemans, if, um, if Leicester do go on to, to win the league. But do you guys think Eriksen would, would be a good signing, a shrewd deal for them? Or? No, I don't. Because I think his best position is where Madison plays. And I think if you sign an Ericsson, you have the same problem of where do you fit them all in. United had it with Pogba and Bruno and it's started to work, but we're a year on now. So I don't see how a short-term loan for Ericsson gives them anything other than squad depth. He he wouldn't play. I don't think he gets in over Madison at the minute. So is there's there much point? I'd argue not. I th- yeah, I mean, I think Christian Ericsson is... I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it either. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's not been on great form in Milan either. But you know, I think he's a player who you look at and you're like, you know, he, he's a he's a ridiculously good player. Um, he he would arguably be interested. He would interest most Premier League clubs. To be honest, like I wouldn't be surprised if Manchester United would look at a loan deal for him. But you know, obviously nah, they got Donny, no Donny Van Der Beek sitting on the bench. Last year, when we were linked with him, when he was looking to leave Spurs I thought that was a genuine consideration but then we went and signed Bruno and yes I agree that we we need someone actually in a cam position um, to take the uh, the slack off, off Bruno really but um, I think he just likes playing he'll play Pogba there if he rests Bruno and plays Donny in, in Pogba's role but I'd, I'd love to see a Grealish in there just to just to mix things up but it, going back to Ericsson I don't see any club at the minute, wanted to take a chance on him. I don't see the point. He's not been playing a lot for the last year. It'd yeah. take him a while to get back up to match fitness. Yes, he's proved it in the Premier League, but he's what, 20, 29 now, 28? I think a big so sticking he, point is his £300,000 a week wages as well, which that as well for a player yeah. whose quality is, has been dipping in his form, has been dipping it. It's a lot of money. It'd be a great signing for a West Brom, though, if you know Big Sam could get the best out of him and they've got the money to spare. But I think it's unlikely. <laughs> I mean, any anyone anyone with any shred of, I'd probably be a decent signing for West Brom right now. So you know, I won't go that far, but yeah, they're in they're in desperate need of players. I tell you what, could you imagine that though? Mm. If they sign Ericsson Diego Costa, that what what our last ten days that would be for West Brom. They got they got a good result the weekend against Wolves in the uh, Black Country derby. You know, maybe that's a sign of things to come for them. Um, they, they've got. I'm still waiting for them to click. I'm still waiting. I mean, look, I, I had I had the whole Allardyce taking over before Christmas. Sunderland in dire position, and to be honest, at Sunderland, it, it wasn't until right at the end you thought actually this is going to come off because they kept drawing games, but now it just feels like. I feel like he'll, he'll do it with West Brom. It's only five points a gap. That's that's easy for him. I think they'll... If, maybe, yes. He does need to bring another one or two, but they've certainly got a real chance under Allardyce, but it's going to go down to the wire, as it will with a number of clubs down there who might chuck... Not at Ericsson, but they might chuck stupid money at someone because what's a 300 grand a week or 30 million signing if you get relegated and miss out on your... 150 million every year. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I think it's it's definitely time to take a chance for, for some of those clubs. Um, and you know, one club that did did take a chance this week uh, in the Copa del Rey was um, <laughs> I don't I don't even know their name, Alex. Do you know their name? Uh, Alcoyana. <laughs> yeah, so, so Put it this way: they're a third division Spanish team, and they're knocked out Real Madrid. And I think the thing is for any English viewers, you know, a third division side beating 
a team at the top of uh, the Premier League like Manchester United is a big deal. It's a huge deal. But I think the third division in Spain is, is a hell of a lot weaker than the third division in England. I'm not even convinced there's just one tier, is there? Is it mixed into north, south, west, east in Spain, like the um, conference north and south in England? I feel like the Spanish third tier are some odd things going on like that. So there's actually a, an array of teams, like 80 different teams in that third tier rather than just the 24 you get in England. So it is a, it's a huge deal. It's probably one of the biggest cup shocks in uh, Spanish history. Well, it is. It's been quite a surprising one, really, because you'd buy me it last week as well, going out to a, a non-top-flight team for the first time in almost 20 years. And then you've got this Real Madrid um, result. I mean, they didn't they didn't play the strongest team, but, um, you know, the, you know, how do you want to wrap it up? You know, they, they took the lead. They, obviously, they, they played a team, you know, third tier, the team went down to 10 men and then even managed to score after that. And uh, just to top it all off, I think the goalie was 42. <laughs> it's, um, it's a shocking as well, isn't it? It is, really is poor. And uh, I mean, on, on top of that, you know, the, I just had a quick look and there's 102 teams in this um, Spanish third tier. And of course, Real Madrid B team are in it too. So, you know, you're losing to a team that's Playing against your reserves week in, week out, that would be like Manchester United losing to Swansea in the 23s or whatever, which obviously Charlton like, have done in real life. But, you know. I was going to say, it'd be like the first team playing in the checker trade or whatever it's called now and losing in, in one of those games. That's how bad it is. Well, there, there was a time where, oh, was it Stoke were playing Peter Crouch and Charlie Adam, players like that in the checker trade trophy just because you were allowed yeah, to play? We, we yeah. had them in the... We had them in the group, and I think we only beat them on pens. I mean, yeah, even still, with a, t- a team with Casemiro, Val- Valverde, Vinicius Jr., Isco, Lucas Vasquez, Marcelo, Militao, and then you had people like Benzema, Hazard and Cruz coming on. It's, it's not something that you expect, mm. is it? Especially when the opposition goes down to 10 men in the 110th minute. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's awful. Shock it, it. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a shocking result because I mean, Real Madrid fans will want nothing else than winning the Copa del Rey. Um, you know, I mean, Manchester. Well, you think that, but uh, my fun fact for you today is they've only won it twice since 1993. Well, that that so is maybe a... their fans have forgotten what it is. That, that is well, Bale Gareth Bale scored in the in the final didn't he, against Barcelona. A long oh, yeah, time very, ago now. And that really goal. was years ago, wasn't it? Jesus, that was about. That was his first season now. Yeah, it? it was, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely, it was. Cup shocks in... But, uh, um, yeah, go for it. Our uh, Spanish football correspondent, Guillaume Balaguer, said that <laughs> it's um, the start of the end for Zidane and it, it looks like it's a bit of a Lampard thing over there where uh, I mean, they want him to they, they want him to last the season. Um, <laughs> Maybe they'll switch roles. They Lampard want him to... Well, no, could you imagine? Out. Very, very similar players, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, yeah, it, it looks like the it looks like they're just trying to manage his exit now because all right, he he left them in the lurch when he quit. He came back and went, look how wonderful I am by picking them up off the picking them up off the floor, the mess that he had made <laughs> when he left. And now he's and, made it uh, again. Yeah. Um, but there was only so long he could sustain that level of success. And, you know, we, we talk about the English title race, but actually, Atletico Madrid, two games in hand, top of the league, that, that looks very interesting indeed, doesn't it? Never mind what's, even if it is going on in the shadow of Real Madrid and Barca's. Uh, I mean, there's some very, very interesting title races across Europe, you know, as well. The, the two Milan teams are fighting. Yeah. <laughs> At the top of Serie A table, which is something we haven't seen for oh God, best part of over yes. a decade now, surely, which which is lovely to see. Like um, Inter Milan, AC Milan are two absolute gigantic clubs. It's nice to see them back where they belong. But yeah, I think Atletico Madrid are a, a, a very underrated side. You know what what they do in a, a league with Barcelona and Real Madrid is is very impressive, and what they manage in the Champions League as well is is pretty pretty insane. But um, yeah, two games in hand. I can't really see anything apart from them winning the title unless Real Madrid can replace Zidane, get a bit of a boost. Um, because Barcelona just 
just they don't seem like they're going to do it this season. Uh, Ronald Koeman, you know, he can't even fire up the Saints, so how's he going to do it at Barcelona? He's another one who I think could be gone at the end of the season, so that would be very interesting if Real Madrid and Barcelona both sat the managers at the end of the year, two of the most coveted jobs in world football. And then potentially, even if Juve finish similar to where they are at the minute, they could be looking for a new manager yeah. as well. So, I mean, it's Andrea a weird Perlo. Is there that many people going around? Like, I feel like Tuchel will be linked to every single job, no matter what. Allegri is still knocking about. I mean, yeah. Rafa Benitez is in China. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets another big job. Um, Newcastle again. Well, Real again. again. He didn't go for too well from last time. Steve Bruce might have a job soon. I wouldn't be surprised if he picks up the uh, Real Madrid job whilst Terry Venables goes back to Barcelona. You'd love to see it. You would love to see it. I'd love to see Steve Bruce stick. But you go. I would not be surprised. I mean, I would be surprised. But (laughs) (laughs) I would like to see Brendan Rodgers given a big European job. I, I think Brendan Rodgers at Barcelona could become Guardiola's Barcelona. It would be Brendan Rodgers' Barcelona. I, I genuinely think he could do a really good job, you know. I mean, he's he's done well at... Doesn't he speak Spanish as well? Yeah, he does. I mean, I didn't oh, know that. Well, but fair I, play so it's happening then. It's happening then. You heard it here first. Brendan Rodgers taking the Real Madrid of Barcelona job. That's, that's the betting tip for this week. I don't know what the odds are, but they're probably astronomical. So it's probably worth a five pound. I mean, rest. you say that, but you you look at the job. Whenever Man United are linked with a new manager, look at the odds, and Howard Webb's still about a hundred to one. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I doubt it'd be. I reckon it'd be like an eighty to one shot or something. Yeah, but it, well, it's you worth a five. I was about to say, I think it's more, but it'd, be, it'd definitely be worth. I might, a five, I, might but... I might have a Sky request a bit and see what I can get on that. Feedback to you, but yeah, we've we've had cup shocks in um, Germany. We've had cup shocks in Spain, and cup weekend in England. We're, we're definitely due a shock. Um, you guys picking out any of the fixtures for a shock? Uh, I think a United win is a shock. But are you, are you saying that's going to happen? And is that your prediction? I don't know. I think I think Klopp will play a weak team, so I think actually on the day we'll probably be the favourites because I think Holly's going to play a strong team. Um, as well, I was going to think, you know, Chorley, Chorley knocked out Wolves, of course, in 1986. So why why won't they do it again? Why oh. can't Luton? Why can't Luton do something at Chelsea? Luton, are Luton, are not, a good team, you know, exactly. And Chelsea are in awful, awful form. I wouldn't be surprised if if Luton rock up there and and make it really, really tough for Chelsea. I'm, it'd be an interesting shock if that were to happen. Brentford, Leicester, that's a tasty tie. Leicester aren't usually yeah. very strong in the FA Cup. Um, I think they get knocked. Out, they got knocked out a couple of years ago by who was it? It wasn't Notts County, was it? Newport. Newport. Yeah, that was a that was a good tie. Um, I think one one. Yeah, I've got. I think I've got two potential shocks. Um, and I'm going to stick my hand out there and say they're not potential shocks. They're actually fully going to happen. Wake up. No, I think <laughs> Don, I think Doncaster are going to beat West Ham, and I think Plymouth are going to beat Sheffield United. You know, Plymouth fresh from a great away victory against Sunderland, their first away victory since <laughs> February, uh, and they're going to they're going to get another away victory this weekend at um, Bramall Lane. Um, Doncaster, we we spoke last time we spoke about the FA Cup. We spoke about West Ham's uh, recent history or last 10 years with FA Cup, of, FA Cup exits and <laughs> Doncaster. They're a pacey team. They could cause West Ham some trouble at the back. I think now it's the fourth round. Moyes might start a bit of a stronger team. Um, you know, they're not in a relegation battle and they're not going to get Europe or anything. Um, so he might think, you know, the FA Cup is a good chance for us this year. We don't need to focus on the league as much. So he will play as a his best uh, best team, which is Antonio at the top. Um, but I, I, I think Doncaster couldn't hit that. Yeah. What, are, what about what about Forest? Forest beating Swansea is that technically a shock? I mean, I mean no, I mean, but you know, an interesting an interesting rematch because, of course, going into the last game of last season, Forest uh, were in the playoffs six, Swansea were obviously seventh, and I think Forest needed to lose, Swansea needed to win the final game of the season, and I think they needed to be was it a five goal turnaround or a six goal yeah, turnaround? It was, it, I think it was five. Was, yeah, it was, I think it was five. <laughs> and perennial bottle jobs, Nottingham Forest managed to bottle it, sadly. Which is impressive. Yeah. What about Southampton Arsenal? Is that a potential shock? I mean, if, what, for who? Because Southampton are, aren't they above Arsenal in the league? 
or very you know, close. And it, Arsenal are away, but the Arsenal are on good form. Who's the shock uh, for? I'd say Arsenal. I mean, I, 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 I think you're clutching at straws. I don't think in 50 years' time we're going to look back at the great FA Cup shocks and we're going to say <laughs> Arsenal beat Southampton. Arsenal, the team who've won the most. But we FA don't know Cups if it's COVID, <laughs> COVID-ridden squads, though. We don't know about that yet, do we? Yeah, yeah that's true. I think, yeah, we're getting. Yeah, I mean, imagine Chorley's squad will go down with coronavirus and Chorley have to play the kids against Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a Tahiti versus. And, uh, um, you ever Spain all over again, and then <laughs> and then win? That'd yeah, be great. <laughs> oh, to be fair, that'd be the greatest FA Cup shop of all time. Go down uh, in history, that one. Be world class. I would absolutely love to see that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think we've got as best as we can hope for, really, in in this uh, draw, haven't we? I mean, there's, I guess the good thing is there's a few all um, all championship ties, which keeps their interest in the competition. Blackpool knocked out. West Brom, they take a trip to the south coast. Could they hold Brighton? They were similarly on a, a very poor run of form prior to the win at Ellen Road. Will Brighton take take that seriously? And you know, Blackpool might fancy their chances there. We've overlooked Crawley, I've got to say. Crawley, who knocked out Leeds very convincingly in the last round, go to Bournemouth. And Bournemouth have lost the last two, so... I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, doesn't Crawley, Sa- Crawley Bournemouth that much sound like a League One game? <laughs> yeah, it's Championship versus League Two. Historically, it's a very League One game, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Crawley turn up and, and win that game. Yeah, Mark Wright won't get two minutes this game because it's not on TV, so. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Luke? You're trying to say it was all a publicity stunt? Well, I mean, obviously, it's a bit of a publicity stunt. He, he came on the pitch for three minutes and he, he looked like a headless chicken he was just hooping the ball every time he got it um he got it surprised in a man in the three minutes as well i was gonna say did he get it more than once because i can't recall if he did but you know i think it's 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 good publicity for crawley um i know he's made a bbc documentary as well um i, I haven't watched it but you know fair play to him for getting back into shape and getting, quite interesting. getting back um to crawley I, I mean i'm sure he's not good enough to actually play a league two football right now but you know it, it is what it is, and you'd be surprised though. He was at Tottenham's, Tottenham's academy. He, he had he had time at Crawley and scored for Crawley um, when they were in non-league, I think. Yeah, I'm, but, I mean, ago. not many League Two, not many League Two players get released from League Two clubs and then come back ten years but later if, after not playing for anyone. But I, I wouldn't be. I mean, he's kept himself in good shape, as everyone will have probably seen on, on his social medias. I'd. Fortunately, don't have any. Yeah, I'm always nice. always scrolling through um, his shirt well, pics on Insta. Well, it, so. it, the funny thing is, is, when you watch the documentary, it references social media quite a bit. So that's how I know. But um, if he was playing conference level ten years ago, I don't think it's that much of a shock to see him play a league up. We've seen teams a le- a league play with up, the same team in the conference they do in League Two <laughs> for a decade. <laughs> but it's but you but he's. He's, he in, another, seems, in another decade, he, seems he should make relatively, a step up to the next tier and be playing League seems, One. I think he seems he seems like he, he could do it like a job as a squad player at that to, level. To be I fair, would imagine. I, I like his brother it. plays for them as well. I see so. a potential future tourist industry in um, joining League Two clubs and coming off the bench for the last two minutes. You know, I, I I'd like to see well, you know, increase the subs. Ten years, the maybe token two minutes. They, to, yeah. uh, David Attenborough coming off the bench for. Uh, Wickham against Tottenham, <laughs> sorry, like <laughs> you know, uh, if, if and Akin Femmer, triple double A. <laughs> if you're six nil up, just bringing off a celebrity off the bench just for a bit of a laugh. Like, I think that could become a nice, nice. I, th- I think, side I think Jamie Jamie Theakston should be coming on in goal for uh, oh, Wickham's keeper, as that would make things very interesting. Until one day it backfires and you bring someone on three uh, nil up, and they're, they're that dire that you end up losing four three. They're, they're that absolute Ali dire that they are. Uh, you know, they can Smooth. full grown soon as to give them a contract. But yeah, I oh, dear. always look forward to uh, FA Cup weekends, especially a bit earlier on when there's still, you know, some League Two, League One clubs against the Premier League clubs. And it should be an exciting weekend for sure. Um, yeah, and then that's that's pretty much it. There's one Premier League game as well, isn't yeah. there? Aston Villa, we talk about their best defence. Newcastle. Well, yeah, I suppose you could uh, take a look at that Aston Villa, like you say, that they, they've got the best defensive record, second best defence, whatever you said, 
Newcastle haven't won in haven't won in nine. How serious do we take? Well, well, you joked about you. Joked, I think Newcastle. You, yeah, you joked about Bruce getting the England job, but uh, is Dean Smith that bad of a shout? Well, no, oh. I don't think he is actually. I think Dean Smith could could be a natural step into the England manager's job. I think you know he's done a wonderful job, and I think going off that, I think Chris Wilder as well is a shout for the England manager's job. Um, in terms of Newcastle, I think I think you know Bruce has got to go. I think they're going to go down if, if he doesn't go. They've got why he's why though? Well, they've he's, got he's, they've got more points at this stage of the season in the last two seasons under Bruce than they did under both seasons of Rafa Benitez and the Prem. Newcastle, I don't understand it. Yeah, Newcastle have the uh, lowest expected goals per game in the Premier League and the fourth highest expected but, goals against in the Premier League. And I think that's just a recipe for disaster. And, you know, it doesn't, doesn't, always, doesn't always translate, but I can't, I can't see them staying up on this current run of form. Their best player's out and has been out for a while um, in San Maximan. They've got a team that hasn't really been invested in and when it has been, the investment's been very poor recently. I mean, look at Joel Linton. Um, Callum Wilson came in and has actually done all right for the style of football that they play. But it baffles me that Newcastle fans ran on and on about Bruce when he plays exactly the same sort of football as Benitez did. He doesn't. It's just he, he's not called Steve Benitez or Rafa Bruce. I mean, it's just a fucking well, joke. I think they've. I think the thing is they're in such a bad run of form and they go into every game with a, a negative lineup. You know. I think most Newcastle fans can predict before the game that they're going to struggle for any kind of attack and they're going to be against the Kosh and that's exactly what happens and Bruce hasn't looked to change it up. You know, they're, they're doing okay on points but it's the form that's the issue for the fans and I don't think they can see oh, that form Bruce ending unless there's a big Bruce change up. Every year though, but like ultimate... at Sunderland, he had, he had a 13-game winless run and a nine-game winless run around this time of the year and to be fair, then we picked up a bit. The only thing for Newcastle is I think the next eight games they've got the top six and you know in that and I mean it's it's if you know if they're, if they're getting beaten off Sheffield United I mean to be fair they drew Liverpool but where are they getting these points off the, the other top six teams and then by then they might have given the Fulham West Brom Burnley time to catch up on them I don't think they're going down and I, to be honest I think if they have this whole um, take everything ratified. I think Bruce will probably go, but, but there's you no, are, you there's say no takeover. Form is the most important thing. I thought they were reviewing it by the Prem still. I thought the Prem was still going through it. Carpet last time, not... Yeah, but I'm pretty sure they're appealing it, aren't they? I'm pretty sure they're in the they're in the middle of a legal battle over it, as far as I'm aware. So that's not done and dusted just yet. They were. They were. I mean, if you get into that down, it, the amount to it. Well, they did it exactly under Benitez. They're not putting any money in until the end of the season because they're aware of how much it, it the the cost of relegation would be. So they wouldn't take over until the summer anyway. And you know, like we've been saying, they've got immediate problems. The amount of dodgy owners that get through the um, EFL and. FA and Premier League uh, fit, and, fit and proper owners test if they're not getting through they ain't got a chance if they haven't got Ooh. through it first time I don't think they're going to get through it second time there's definitely something uh, worrisome or dodgy that someone's seen to, to block the deal happening and you know that, well, that's that's a good thing for football because you don't want another one of these nut job owners in charge of a, a big club like Newcastle uh, uh, definitely the biggest in time where yeah but I don't think that it was necessarily a nut job owner. I think it was just the fact that they thought they were threatened by um, the fact that they could broadcast stuff in, in Saudi Arabia. Obviously, there was a, some shady dealings there anyway. But they would have just pumped money into Newcastle and Newcastle would have become the team that the fans want. Um, so it's, I think it's quite sad, actually, that they're not going to get that investment. I mean, you, you say it's sad. Disappointing you don't know for a matter of fact it's going to be like that. You know, you've had you've had so many clubs that have been taken over by these lucrative owners who've been promised so much and instead, you know, they end up like your Wigan, your Charlton, your Bolton and Portsmouth where it just goes to crap because these people aren't who they seem. You know, this, this owner's test is there for a reason. I mean, granted, they pass loads of owners who still destroy clubs, but 
you know, I think it's a blessing in disguise. Newcastle thought they were going to become the next PSG, the next Man City. But if these owners aren't up to scratch, then great, Newcastle have, have it's avoided a potential becoming the next Sunderland. So, yeah, potentially. I mean, I I think the Newcastle fans have have come to kind of expect, uh, you know, not really hoping for much, which is again a sad, a sad indictment of. The, the ear under Mike Ashley, actually, but it's all right. Um, it's all right. They'll get, yeah. sh- they'll sack Bruce and get Shearer to keep them up. I, I think Eddie Howe again. I, I'm going to keep plugging him, but I think Eddie Howe would do a, a better job. Um, I mean, I think yeah, I think he's got the Newcastle job. Is Eddie Howe going to do a better him, job to be with these players? But that's what I was about to get onto. It's it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because he played still, Steve I, Cook in the Premier League for years, Alex. He can do wonders with any. That, yeah, well, I think. He's got Callum Wilson there. Obviously, oh, Matt Ritchie, got, um, Ryan Fraser, Matt Ritchie. Who he knows Ryan Fraser. He's basically getting the band back together. Obviously, he took Bournemouth down, but it'd be interesting to see if he took the job, and then he played expansive, you know, attacking football, and they went down. Whether Newcastle fans would honestly mm. sit there and say they enjoyed that more than they did um, the time under Bruce, because obviously everyone wants to see attacking football, but no one wants to get relegated. So it's a bit. Of, manager got them relegated, you know, didn't he? Well, I wouldn't say he was the favourite manager. Would you, Would you mean? Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting story. I think people would. I don't know. I don't know if you'd rather see attacking football and go down or play negative football and stay up. That I'm shouldn't really be the sure choice, though, is it? To be that, that's not. That's not the choice, though, is it? But but for New but for Newcastle, it actually might. Be. Well, you could talk about Bobby Robson and all that sort of stuff, and and that that's that's in my opinion their best ever manager, Bobby Robson, and you know they sacked him for not getting top four. So again, it's like it's a different era back then. Yeah, but but you know they've had they've had managers like Glenn Roder and fucking Alan Shearer. I think what, I think saying Bobby uh, Robson. What's it, Carver? But John Carver was better manager than Bobby Robson for sure. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, John Carver. Those those were the days. Alan well, Pardew who actually did a decent job. But that's the... uh, Carver was Robson's assistant, so he was, yeah, that, but. Uh... Alan Pardew did a okay job, but obviously he's hated. Chris Hewton, that's another one. Like they've had all these managers, and no, not one of them has ever brought them back to Bobby Robson. And to be honest, and they, they the never will. They've ever made. I don't think they well, ever no, they will won't. get back to that. Well, Steve McLaren's not doing it. No one is, are they? So. He spent 80, <laughs> 80 million and well, got them relegated. So I'm not sure why. And then you've looked at the money spent on Joe if, Linton. Why do they need the money? They, yeah. You know, actually. Some of the best when they finished fifth under Pardew, their best players had been with them in the championship, and they Danny Simpson and uh, Gutierrez and Colaccini and Danny Guthrie, people like that. Oh, Danny Guthrie. Guthrie, Jesus! I mean, it, it, the fact that Andy Carroll's gone back there and, he's on fire and, this year as well. Oh, the, the misses against Arsenal were appalling. They're so bad, but like they've just not got the squad. They've not they've not got an owner who's interested in in putting them back to where they were. He's interested in lying in his pockets with money, and they're never ever going to get back to that level if it stays the same. So the only thing they can hope for is a takeover. And you know the Premier League have denied one, and the other ones just seems to seem to have kind of fallen by the wayside. They've not they've not got over the line. So I do feel for Newcastle fans. I really do. Uh, we've I don't feel I don't feel for Newcastle fans. I mean, they're in the Premier League for crying out loud, and consistently there as yeah, well. Mark, you know, Mark, the real Mark. real people you should be feeling for are your Arsenal fans, your, and your Manchester fans. United fans, not your Newcastle. Oh, absolutely. Fans. We've not we didn't spend 110 million on the right <laughs> winger in the summer. I feel absolutely agree. So I can't, I can't remember if, if we did this um, on our first one, but I guess with more than half the teams having played half their games and bringing up. Newcastle being down there, shall we? Shall we put our balls on the line with our our bottom three at the halfway point? Yeah, I, think, I want to uh, say I'm staying the same, but I can't remember what the three that I gave. Well, you said you said <laughs> Sheffield United was staying up, but I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'll I'm go, sticking to that. I'll go first. Um, I'm not sure mine will change too much. I think you know Sheffield United, like I said back then, I think they're down. Nothing's changed there. Got got a good win, but you know apart. From that, there's still many points adrift. 
and their squad just I don't think it's up to standards. I think on top of that, West Brom are down. Um, not looking good for them either. And then I, I'm going to, I don't think I said this last time, I'm going to change it. I'm, I am going to say Newcastle. I think if they don't get a new manager, I can't see their run of form changing. I think Burnley um, will get the points to stay up. I think Burnley are always going to somehow manage to grind that out. Um, and then Fulham. Fulham are progressively getting better week in, week out. I mean, definitely a team that are going to finish like 17th or 16th if they do stay up. But I think they might might just pip Newcastle. They definitely look a bit more exciting than Newcastle and have a bit more to them. Newcastle just don't look like they're going to score again this season, to be honest. See, I'm, I'm going to go for a different flavour. I'm going to put my balls on the line again and say Sheffield United will stay up. Um I do, however, think that, that West Brom are gone. Um, I think Brighton could be going along with them. And, and Fulham, whilst they've impressed me recently and whilst they've, they've clearly picked up and, and put in some really good performances, I just don't think they're going to get enough points. So I think the three that I'm going to go for are, are West Brom, Fulham I'll and Brighton. I'll agree with Luke on Sheffield United. I'll agree with Dan <laughs> on Brighton and Hove Albion. And then, who's who? No way, Chelsea. They've only got 29 points, you see. (laughs) Um, I mean, at the start of the season, I said West Ham, and they're uh, two points off four. So uh, I'm not saying that this will be right. (laughs) Red at Chelsea. (laughs) They are. Um, So did any of you say Fulham or Burnley? Just no. I said Fulham. No, I didn't. I didn't say oh, Burnley. Um, I said uh, Newcastle and West Brom. Two wins in eighteen. It's not particularly good for Fulham, is it? I think. I think. I think I'll go with Sheffield United, Fulham, and Brighton, and we'll revisit this in May. And and I'm going to keep clinging on to Sheffield United for as long as it's I mean, I'd, I'd... possible. I think you're trying to be a, a football hipster. No doubt you, you're rocking your St. Pauli top as well and your uh, Nigeria World Cup top as well. Oh, I wish I got hold of one of those. Oh, I was looking trying to get one, but yeah. they got gold dust. No, that's a very nice kit. But yeah, Dan with his uh, hipster football opinions right there. I think I think we'll end it there. I think it's been an interesting episode and it's just hotting up each week. You know, I think it'll be interesting to see if there are any deals done in the coming 10 days and any managerials incomings or outgoings because I do think we are close to a couple of seconds in the Premier League so yeah hopefully next time we speak to you there's there's some more interesting stories and some big shocks in the FA Cup to come but yeah thanks everyone for listening and and Zin Chow to people in Vietnam because I've been reliably informed that's how you say bye and not whatever Luke attempted last week and and that if anyone is looking to learn Vietnamese that is a perfect pronunciation of that word I'm, and no doubt from Dan <laughs> <laughs> yeah. peace out All right, thanks guys <laughs>